Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Asian Unfiltered from a different lens. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Asian Unfiltered. But before I start the show, I'd like to thank my sponsor, Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is actually where you can find everything from NBA, hockey, to UFC, NFL, all things sports, all the matchups, all the prop bets. You can find it there on Bet Online. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Just visit the website today. Or use your mobile device and join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, go over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Oh. <laughs> but didn't you just recently move to uh, Silver Lake? No, I've been there for a while. Uh, for a while. A bit. Yeah. Do, do you miss San Diego at all? Or uh, I love San Diego. San Diego's great. You know, in a perfect world, you know, maybe one day... Because you're able to have all this and the capabilities of doing stuff from anywhere. Of course. Is I could just kind of come back and forth whenever I need to. Right. But down the road. Right now I'm still still, well, still chasing it. So. I, well, these guys will back me up. I have a ton of equipment if you ever need to borrow stuff. Okay. Appreciate and I have a ton of camera equipment. So if ever you need to borrow. You Appreciate know. it. Thank you. So what basically happened for the listening audience and viewing audience, yeah. uh, by chance, I clicked on Max and Marcellus. It was almost their closing hour. And they're talking about Alan Sliwa, our guest for today. And check this out, Justin. Just by chance, I flip on that one moment where Max Kellerman is talking about, we have this guy that's coming from sales and marketing and is so good, he's going to be hosting, he's going to be the host for the Lakers show, mm-hmm. 710 MP. And, and that's just astounding to me. You know, it's funny, when you were telling me that story yes. just a couple of days ago, I had no idea. I, I never even heard that story. And I love, I mean, that show, I don't know if you guys listen to Max and Marcellus, but that's as good as radio could there have got. Is. And, you know. Gold standard. Unfortunately... Um, and fortunately, you know, for both of those guys, Max obviously now doing first take with Stephen A. Smith. Um, they didn't get a chance to take that show as as kind of a longer tenure. And and who knows, you know, Max kind of joked around me when he was leaving. He's like, you know, maybe there's an opportunity down the road where they can do something more on a national basis. But I love that show. And I was working, you know, obviously and still work for ESPN. But uh, that meant a lot when I heard that because Max, I idolize. I love what he does. And I think he's just one of the brightest guys in the industry. And his take, not just on sports, but in life in general, is uh, is fantastic to, to obviously listen to and watch. But when you told me that, that meant a lot to me because I idolize him obviously a lot. Well, uh, we can always edit this part out because, you know, we talked for a little bit on the phone. And uh, we shared... A moment where it's like, yeah, I feel like, Alan, I hope you realize what you're doing is great. you got to be in the moment because we're engulfed in hustling. Yeah. So sometimes you have to step back and go, man, I'm, I'm doing things. I should pat myself on the back. You know, what's funny is uh, it's, it's, it's like no matter what you're doing or whatever you're driven to do, it's not that you are not, you know, taking a step to to 
give yourself whatever it is. You could be a teacher and a teacher comes up to you and says, or I'm sorry, a a parent comes up to you and says, wow, you're one of the best teachers we ever had. And that gives you that moment of like, okay, that feels pretty good. And then you just get right back at it. So it's not, I think most of the time, um, at least for me, you know, I've been, I've been in sports talk radio since I was 19. So I'm 35 right now. So I have 16 years of my life in sports talk radio started down in San Diego, obviously here in Los Angeles now, but, um, and I've been in LA for, you know, about eight and a half years. Um, for me, it's, uh, it's never that I don't appreciate what's happening in the moment. It's more just kind of always thinking of, um, you know, your own personal goals that you have in mind, what it is that you want to accomplish. But I do agree. There are plenty of times where we could take a step back in whatever we're doing, what sure. you guys are doing today, what, uh, anybody in any job that they have, it's all the same thing in the sense that take a step back and appreciate what you're accomplishing. Right. Because it felt like it was under Alan's breath. When he was like, oh, that's good to realize. Yes, you said something like that Yeah. when I was telling you, like, when we were talking. <laughs> well, so, I was I was, uh, I was, was appreciating the moment. I was like, wow, I didn't know, I didn't know Max said that. <laughs> right. I never knew. I literally had no idea Max said that. So and, that, was a, that, was a cool, that was a cool moment for me. And I worked a lot with Max Kellerman. So, I mean, I, I still am on the business side. My day-to-day is sponsorships. Sure. And I know it's, 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 a, it's very unique. It's uncommon to have somebody who's working on the business side, the sponsorship side. Yeah, Spans like, look, keep making us our money. All right, we're trying to make right, our money right. over there. Um, but then have an opportunity to pursue what I'm doing. So with Max and I, a lot of the sponsors that he endorsed were my clients. They were comp- – like I, I was very strategic with the companies I was going after, and I was trying to push them to Max because Max was the best. Max, Max was so good on air, and the clients loved him, and it was just so – uh, seamless for him, you know, like right. it was so easy for him to to, uh, to to make it happen. So I was steering a lot of my clients to Max, and that's where Max and I had a really good relationship. It was kind of funny. So there's a there's a sponsor on on the radio station still with us today. Max had a plumbing issue at his house. All right, <laughs> guy lives in you know at the time lived in Beverly Hills, right? Of course. Um, Making it happen. You know, he'd always joke around that, you know, he can't live with where everybody else is. He could only live in Beverly Hills. Um, but uh, actually, no, it was Bel Air. It was even nicer than Beverly Hills. Sure. It was Bel Air. Yeah. The so, more modern Beverly Yeah, exactly. Hills. Exactly. So he, he, so he calls, his wife calls this random plumber. A plumber comes to their house. They have a really good experience. Max calls me and says, hey, you got to talk to this plumber. These plumbers were awesome because, you know, obviously I'm on the business side and then here's like a literally a four-year relationship we have with that sponsor. And then I, I was like, all right, wh- who do we got to get to Max? Whatever we get over to Max, let's get him over to Max. Uh, but that's uh, that's kind of part of the day-to-day. I'm on the business side. Sure. I've been on the business side for about 12 years. And then this really this Lakers talk stuff um, I've been pursuing now for the last three years or so. So you were in San Diego at B- BCA, is it? Yeah, Broadcast Company of the Americas. So that's uh, the Mighty 1090. So it still exists there now. Right. When I was there, um, you know, we carry the Padres broadcast. I went to school at San Diego State University. My degree's in broadcast journalism. So Are you sober now? You can drive now? You're not on <laughs> San Diego from State? San Diego State. Okay. Cool. Man, that's what we have. That's our. That's how people remember us over there. Right. Um, <laughs> um, San Diego State, I, I studied. So I was in... I was in um, Communications got an emphasis in journalism, so I've always wanted to go the radio path. I've always thought I'm going down the radio path, but uh, early, early on in my career, um, 
for whatever reason, and I think some people kind of geared me towards there, and then I just naturally went there too. I got into the sales and sponsorship side. And as much as like there are times I say to myself, man, what if I didn't go down that route and I just started in radio 10, 12? Talent right away. Right, right away. But I'll tell you what, man, it, it I will I would never take away my route. And even though the route's supposed to be go this way, and even if I'm kind of coming at it in a roundabout way, at the end of the day, everything we do, ESPN, Fox Sports, all that stuff, your passion for your loyalty towards a sports team, it's all a business. You know, at the sure. end of the day, it all comes down to dollar and cents for every one of these corporations. So to have that understanding of how revenue is generated within a company, to have that understanding of how you can make a company money and be very profitable for them, that's so, that's so important for any business. You know, I don't care if you run a restaurant. I don't care if uh, you work at a gym. You should understand the business side because if you understand the business side and you become an asset to a company, it's really tough for a company to get right. rid of you because, you know, when push comes to shove... Um, I'm somebody who makes the company money. So when ESPN, who's had a lot of cuts, you've seen what's happened over the last few years. Yep. And it's not, you know, look, ESPN's adapting to a new market. It's not like ESPN wants to get rid of people. It's there are a certain amount of subscribers that used to just watch, sit there and watch TV. That's changing and it changes the whole dynamic of what's happening in the industry. To have the understanding of the business side is very, very, very important for Anybody to understand it, no matter what you do, to spend a couple of years understanding the sales side, to understand the business side, to understand how to generate revenue, it can help you create opportunities for something maybe that you ultimately want to pursue. In my case, it's Lakers talk. For somebody sure. else, it could be something else. Yeah, and and it's it, you should be at three thinking now. What's the most common thing you hear about athletes? They didn't manage their money well. What's the most common thing in the 80s, 90s, maybe up to the early 2000s before people started putting out their own record labels? They were creatives, mm -hmm. but they didn't understand the business side. But but I'm sure, I think a lot of us in this room, and while I'll speak about my brother's heir, yeah. uh, there's a moment where you're in, we can curse here, by the way, not that I'm asking you to, yeah. but you're on that desk and you're going, dude, I could hear Max and Marcellus. I could hear John Ireland. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be behind the mic. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Was that a gradual buildup? Was it like a moment? It's every time I walk to the kitchen. And that's the room separating. Literally, my <laughs> entire career is a wall away from where I want to be. You know, there's literally a wall. Even when I was in San Diego, there's a wall separating where I'd like to be. But I also knew that, look, the time will come. And I'm, look, I'm just scratching the surface. I mean, the reality is there's many, many people in Los Angeles been doing this for a long, long time, know what they're doing, have built in the equity. And I'm literally just scratching the surface. I feel I'm just scratching the Mr. surface. Mr. Host of the Lakers show, the Lakers show at ESPN. I'll tell you the story behind that because there's there's a good story behind it, and I'll I'll, I'll tell I'll tell it in a second. But um, you know, 
there are many, many a times, much more in Los Angeles than even in San Diego, because I grew up a Laker fan. So I grew up when it was, you know, kind of towards the end of Magic's career. I never saw Magic win a championship. I was I wasn't old enough to see Magic win a championship. I started watching maybe when I was seven I years old. Was. <laughs> seven years old or so is when I started watching. So really my era with the Lakers was Eddie Jones, was Sedale three, was Eldon Campbell. Eldon, what are you doing? You know, like it was those moments that was that was that's that was me growing up. So when I came to Los Angeles, as much as I wanted to crack a mic in San Diego, as much as I am passionate to San Diego because that's where I'm from, the Lakers is Basketball was my favorite sport. Basketball is what I played my entire life. Not very good at it, but that's what I played. Sure. And Lakers was my passion. So when I came to Los Angeles, and this was just my mentality. My mentality was when I heard other people talking Lakers, I thought I could go toe-for-toe with any of these guys talking Lakers. Now, whether that's the reality or it's not the reality, that was my thought process. My thought process was there will come a time, I don't know when, I don't know how, but there will come a time where I get a chance to talk Lakers basketball. And, you know, when you say, I hear it on the airways, literally, if you walk, if you're at our radio station, the sales side is on this area, you walk around, there's a wall, you go to the kitchen, and you're directly looking into that studio. And those are the guys that are obviously, you know, doing their broadcasts. And all of them are fantastic. This isn't me, you know, saying uh, it's nothing against anybody. It's just what I want to pursue. Sure. Like I can't control what other people want to pursue. I can only control what I want to pursue. Um, But yeah, there are many, many times through this kind of, um, through the, through the journey, I guess you can say that I heard what others were doing and I'm like, damn, there will come a time when I get to crack that mic. And, and what, what was the process from sales and marketing to to on-air talent? So, um, there was a time where there's been there's been some turnover at the radio station. So we had some certain people out running the programming department, whatever the case was. But there was a time that, um, you know, I had thought about it for so long. Like, it's so tough sometimes. Anything that you want to accomplish, it's so tough to take that first step. And it's not that anyone's stopping you from taking the first step other than yourself. You know, it's you creating those mental blocks. It's you telling yourself that, no, you can't do it. No, the timing's not right. And that could be for anything. It's like, all right, I haven't been to the gym in a long time. To go that first time is the most challenging. And then after that is when all of a sudden it's like now you get into a rhythm, a routine, you get more confidence, and then you see yourself going three, four times a week. I couldn't get over my own hurdle. I couldn't get over... um, going and talking to the right people about what I'd like to pursue and why I'd like to pursue it and everything else. So one time I had just made a decision. I was getting ready to actually go on a trip to Boston. And I had made a decision that before I leave, I was just going to have a conversation with our programming director and just let him know that this was a vision that I had in mind. Amanda Brown is no longer, she's the assistant programming director, right? Was this? So it wasn't Amanda. At the time, it was a guy named Mike Thompson. So Mike okay. Thompson was the uh, was a program director. And I had gone in, had a conversation with him. And all I asked for was, basically told him, this is something I'd like to do at some point. And I know he's probably looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. And I just said, on the weekends, if I can just come in and use the studio and just practice, that's all I wanted. Is just if I could just come in and use the studio and practice. If he was cool with that, and he said, I mean, 
you know, really, how's he going to say no to that? It's on a Saturday. Nobody's in the office or it's on a Sunday. I made it I made it as convenient as possible for him to say, yeah, go ahead and do that. And he did. And that that was like, OK, there's sort of a crack of the door. What are you going to do with it type of thing? And I literally for one year would go in religiously on Saturdays or Sundays. And I'd go in with another person that actually works for Chargers.com now. Chris Harry is his name. And we do mock shows once a week for 52 weeks. We always did a mock show. And it was my way to just feel like, hey, I'm in the rotation here. I wasn't in the rotation. Did you put it out like on iTunes or SoundCloud? Nothing. So this is just monk Tiger Monk discipline. Which is, you know, it's just good practice. It was like I needed to convince myself that what I was talking about made sense. That was I going to put together something that made sense? How was I going to put together the structure of the show? What were we going to talk about? How was I going to do it? So for me, it was almost convincing myself that, okay, there's a little bit of a vision here. There's something to this. And... um, and we did that. And that, that was kind of the start of it. That was the beginning. And then, you know, eventually um, I had a conversation with our general manager and told him this is something that, you know, I was interested in. And then there was, you know, some support behind it in the sense of here's a guy that we trust. Here's a guy that has been working with us for a while. So to give me a crack at doing things that I'm passionate about you know, frankly, I think the company was wise to do it because why would you not let somebody who's passionate about something, who you know, who you trust, who's been working at your company for a number of years, why wouldn't you let them pursue it? And that kind of started it. So, and Would you say intra was being a bigger key because of that, just being intra to the structure of he understands the relationship like Max, like you were saying earlier? Yo, this is uh, Pep Boys. They really like your voice. But if you came from, let's say, more of an engineering background for ESPN, w- was that more key because you were with sales and marketing? No, I don't think o- it was. Engineering? Okay. To, to be honest with you, I think what it came down to is um, there was no BS in my talk. There okay. was a degree in journalism. There was a true understanding and passion for basketball and Lakers basketball. Um, so I think there was a game plan that the game plan I gave them made sense. Um, and I still have to, you know, obviously hold my own on the business side. And that was kind of the conversation. The conversation was, all right, um, just make sure it doesn't really interrupt with what we hired you here for. And that's fair, completely fair. You know, they, they brought me in there for, for one job and whether that, you know, eventually becomes another job, only time will tell. But, you know, I'm obviously very condescent that I'm there for um, something that they hired me for eight and a half years ago, and I'm respectful towards that. And, you know, the the business side, like I mentioned, allows me, it, it gives an incredible opportunity for me as well. There's a lot of advantages to the business side, so it's kind of kind of rolled from there. The way Lakers talk, so Lakers talk, um, I always wanted to do a Lakers show. And after about a year of doing some of these mock shows and then getting some opportunities to do the Lakers post game show, there were some opportunities. Jeff Biggs, who's a friend of mine, used to do some work with us at the station. Sure. Um, he was doing post game show by himself. And um, he was cool with me hopping on with approval of the radio station to just talk a little late because you got to talk an hour by yourself. So for him, this was somebody that he can kind of roll stuff off Bounce of. Off. And. 
I started doing that, but really, you know, really what what kind of changed the whole game for me is I really wanted my own show and I wanted to um, just do a one hour Lakers talk show was my idea. So I went into the general manager and I, you know, had the conversation with him. I had a business plan all set up and it was basically like, look, I want to come on. Let me just do one hour by myself. It's on Saturdays. Let's do it after Dr. Clapper, who was on. There's already a board op there. And kind of like, what do you got to lose? It's Lakers content in L.A. I will be more than prepared for it. And um, and it's on a Saturday, you know. So, like, if if I do this for a few months and you don't like it, then just tell me. You know, if it's not good enough or you feel like it can't hang in L.A., then, you know, I, I, I won't. I would be devastated, but uh, sure, absolutely. But uh, but if if that's the reality, that's the reality. You know, then I got to kind of regain plan it. And he gave me that opportunity, and I also brought the business side. So I came in with sponsors, and Ooh. I just basically built Lakers Talk in the sense that why is it called Lakers Talk? Because it's literally a Lakers talk show, and I like the I like the way that kind of went together. And I was able to use a side of the business that. I've spent 12 years, you know, obviously um, on. So I was able to bring in some advertisers, explain to them that there was, you know, Lakers content on a weekend. Anytime you have Lakers in Los Angeles, there's going to be interest in it. And then uh, and then let's see where it goes. And it got started. It got started. What is it now? We're in 2000. So April in 2016 was when I did my first show by myself. And I did that for six months. And then they moved it to Mondays, you know, for two hours and then. Since then, they haven't kicked me off, and they can hey. kick me off at any time. But uh, you know, I'm still there. So, so, so the difficult thing, not to get too radio geeky, mm-hmm. but it it's the best when you get to share the airtime with your friends or your cohorts or other professional folks who are like, okay, I'm I'm gonna get down. Did you have trouble going solo because? You were bouncing off with a partner for a little bit, and so, then now. So solo, solo was solo was never the game plan, but solo okay. was solo was the easiest way for me to get on because now you didn't have to. They didn't have to go out and pay another host. They didn't have to. I tried making it as easy as possible for them, and I, and that wasn't my game plan. My game plan was like, no, I got to have a former NBA player. That was always my thought. It's like, sure, I got to have a former NBA player. We're going to talk, you know, it's like Jalen and Jacoby, like that, like that kind of thought process. But how was I going to make that work? And I felt like the more complicated I made it, the less opportunity I was going to have. So it just kind of dawned on me. I'm like, do it by yourself. Just it's four segments, 12 segments each come in with more stories than you could possibly be prepared for. And I've always been able to talk and I've, you know, my degrees in communication. So it's like, I always felt comfortable talking now. Did I feel comfortable? The you know there are a lot of times where I, I go do a show and it's seven thirty five and the show ends at nine and I'm like, all right, there's I got I got to fill in a lot of content. Right, here. yeah, people. I listen. mean, it, it's I'm much more comfortable today than I was then. But the original game plan was never for me to do my own show. But in order for me to get on the radio, I had to do my own show. And to be honest with you, I love doing the show by myself. So it, it actually it actually churned into that because, you know, I, I love doing it because what I'll usually do is I'll, I'll do the first half hour on my own. Mario Ruiz, who's my producer, um, I interact with him anytime I need to. I know he's there. You know, I get more and more comfortable knowing that he's there. I always have an interview at 730. 
And then after that, and there's a lot of times where callers want to talk Lakers basketball. And I want I want my show to be the platform for them to talk Lakers basketball. I'm as much of a fan as any of them are. So, you know, I feel like they're talking to a fan when they're talking Lakers basketball. And I'm talking to a fan when I'm talking Lakers basketball. So if I had another person there... I think that would take away from the opportunity to interact with a lot of Laker fans, and I love the interaction with Laker fans. So it wasn't the original plan, but sometimes things happen and and they work out better than you thought. So uh, probably give me a couple more questions so we can get the full bio of Mr. Sliwa. Uh, Growing up in San Diego? Yeah. Small town? El Cajon. El El Cajon is where I grew up. Were you like that provincial, oh, I'm from Idaho, I can't wait to get to L.A. and be that actor or actress? Or or were you content in San Diego? Like, what was life like? Um, I didn't think I was coming to L.A. So I, I didn't have L.A. in mind. I, I was, you know, content with San Diego. Actually, I thought... Happy. I, maybe happy is a better word. Well, I thought I thought when I was working in San Diego, I thought... When I was working at the sports radio station, I worked for John Lynch, whose son is now the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers. His dad, John Lynch Sr., is who I worked for in San Diego, and he owned the sports radio station I worked at. I thought when I was in that, I thought, yeah, this is where I'm going to be. Like, I'm going to, this is this is it. Like, I'm just going to move up the ranks here, and everything will go from there. And, you know, certain things happen. Um... And I felt like I reached a point in San Diego where sometimes you just have a moment where you're, you might be frustrated with how some things are going down there. And then at the same time, there was an opportunity where Fox, KLAC at the time, was losing the Lakers broadcast. ESPN was going to grab them. ESPN was opening up a brand new facility in LA Live. Um in my mind, I just felt like all these things were aligning. I'm like, I'm getting, I'm going to LA. Okay. And I'm going to find a way to get a job in Los Angeles for ESPN because this was the beginning of ESPN's tenure with the Lakers broadcast. But when I was in San Diego and when I was growing up in El Cajon, um, I don't really know what my, you know, I, I guess I just never thought of like, am I leaving here? Am I not? I got a lot of family, a lot of family in San Diego, and many of them don't leave. You know, many of them don't even leave El Cajon. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Right, and and, and that is, you know, uh, culturally, you are. So I'm I'm Chaldean, which is Middle Eastern. They're Catholics from Iraq, and you know they migrated to. El Cajon, out of all places. I don't know why they went to El Cajon. Of course. In 1982, there's there's like 60,000 Chaldeans in in this pocket of El Cajon or in San Diego County. There's a lot that are also in Detroit, Michigan. But um, I didn't know why or I, I never thought in my mind because, you know, growing up, it's like, you know, you stick around the family and you just raise your kids and you do everything. You get married and you do all that stuff there. I guess as I just got older... My career was, that was my passion. My passion was, I want to pursue my career. And granted, at the same time, you know, there's other parts of your life that I haven't, you know, I'm not married. So it's like, there are other parts of your life that you've had to sacrifice in order to get where you want to get to. But of course, at some point, you know, you have to, you know, merge all this stuff together. But um, I didn't think, when I was in San Diego, I wasn't thinking like, 
well, I can't wait to get to LA. Just that something that just kind of happened as I as I progressed. Um, we're gonna start getting towards some societal stuff. Okay. Did you ever encounter any like uh, prejudice, albeit be race or why are you from Iran and, and Catholic? What is wrong with you? I remember going to New York and people were like, "This is in the '80s," and people were like, "Dude, why do you eat so much rice?" Because I'm Asian, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, until you get other Puerto Ricans, they're like, "Dude, we all eat rice." Yeah. But did you ever experience that in San Diego? No, I don't feel like I did. You know, I really didn't. I, I grew up with pleasant town, huh? I grew up with uh, a lot of my friends were a lot of my friends were white. A lot of my friends were from you know. I really actually didn't hang out with that many Chaldeans growing up, and you know, I guess I just was born and raised in this country so like i simulated myself i'm i feel i'm much more american than i am middle eastern sure so i don't know it just never dawned on me okay and i never had gone through experiences where i'm like wow i feel like somebody is uh you know really disrespecting me so nothing really stands out in my mind that that um you know i had to endure and really it's the the generation like to have my parents to go from literally Iraq and then they're in Southern California, um, I'm sure that was for them to be assimilated into these two different cultures was unreal for them, you know, to live half your life there and then half your life here. For me, since I was born and raised here, this is all I knew. I just knew Southern California. So I never really encountered anything that I'm sure a lot of other people have encountered much more difficult things than I, I, I would have ever encountered. But but I ask in a group sense, maybe that's maybe because you come from an immigrant setup, even though you didn't feel that. But to go, you know, I I, I got to work. I'm sure there's a lot of influence of hard and smart work from your parents. But maybe that that's what happens in life where it's like, you know, I just became a nine to fiver before I become on air talent, you know, because you you I settles the wrong word. But it's the quickest way to survive. Mm-hmm. But but I couldn't derive that off because, like you said, you are American. And you never went through... Did your parents ever go through a phase? I, oh, my God, Alan, this American child of ours. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go through that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, what are some examples or stories of it? So I moved out when I was 19. Oh. And you would have thought I was <laughs> joining a gang. And right, right. I was ready to represent the crew or something sure. i had no idea I'm like mom literally moving a 15 minutes from the house to san diego state university right. um yeah there's a lot of that because you know there's a there's a way that everybody's doing it where i'm from right so however that is um i think and i know eventually i'll raise my kids and i'll encourage them to go off to college and to go live different experiences they're not too accustomed to that because, number one, I have a lot of family that didn't go off to college. Not to say that other people didn't, but they're just accustomed to what they're accustomed to. And they're not bad customs. They're just, you know, it, it, they're they're very traditional, right? And it, there has to be some adaptation with that. I'm going to get into the show tomorrow about tradition with the playoff seating in the NBA and adapting to 1 through 16, you know, like, but they're they're there are great things about tradition and then there's also areas in life that you have to adapt to and um i was adapting to more of an american culture i was adapting to okay 
this was cool. I love my I love my family. Not that I don't love them or anything sure. like that. But it's time for me to kind of experience some stuff on my own, make some mistakes, correct those mistakes. And they just didn't fathom that or understand that. You know, that never really triggered in their mind. Um, so there's certainly many of those predicaments and situations where, you know, you run into. Um, but there's only so much explaining you can do. It's just like we have to accept that there's a generational gap, that there's a difference the way you guys grew up and the way I grew up. And um, and you have to accept it. Asian Unfiltered on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.